The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Back to matters at hand. Uh, the summer school is happening uh, today, tomorrow, and the next day. And there's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant lineup of the best and brightest from politics and media and culture from both sides uh, of the pond and a little further afield as well. Amongst them, Dermot Murnahan, the award winning journalist, who's with me here in our makeshift studio. Dermot, how are you? I'm very good. I'm just looking for Miles' number there. I don't uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's down there paying for parking. If anyone wants free parking or a guy Does he do pints as well? Yeah, well, I owe him a pint, yeah. is, is the problem now. Um, so uh, you're you're kind of half Irish at this stage, Dermot. You spend so much time here, I understand. Yeah, well, and my dad's Irish, um, was Irish, uh, hails from uh, Omer in County Tyrone, and I was brought up in Northern Ireland in uh, County Down in County Armagh. I've lived in Dublin, and I've got a house in Kerry. So yeah, I think I qualify. Uh, you, you, you were here suffering through our bad summer, though. Yeah, I was down in Kerry for most <laughs> of, most of August, and uh, you know the way the Kerry lads are. It's just uh, I should have been here last week. I said, "No, but I'm here this week." <laughs> oh, it's terrible there. Well, you're you're here this week, and you're taking part in two different discussions yeah. uh, at, at Kennedy uh, celebrity and politics. We were talking a little bit about that earlier, actually, with one of your your co-panelists um, uh, who's going to be taking part in that discussion, Catherine uh, Kramer Brownell, and another one about Ireland. Membership of the European Union celebrating 50 years of it. Now, one would imagine that you may be asked in that conversation to shine a light on uh, uh, the relationship our nearest neighbour has uh, with uh, the European Union. Yeah, <laughs> the B word, <laughs> the B word. Uh, Brexit. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think what so what did the UK make 47 years? I think formally left on the 31st of January 2020. So, yeah, 47 years. Do you think they'll ever make 50 years? Uh, Well, if they they made 50, they'd they'd have to go way beyond it because, you know, the fact is, is that if the UK ever did, and it's a big if, Hmm. um, it would have to be, I'm sure the EU would say, that's it. You know, no messing around. There's no way now to shake it all about here. Um, But I think it's, I, I, I don't think I'd see that happen in my lifetime. I think there could easily be a closer relationship between the UK and the European Union, and um, you know, particularly with a general election next year, Keir Starmer, if when he gets into power, um, you know, he's sending out all kinds of different signals to the different electorates he has to address. You know, particularly the so-called Red Wall in the UK, who deserted the Labour Party in 2019. Maybe they deserted them because of Jeremy Corbyn, but also because of Brexit. So he's saying, you know, the deal is done and we'll deal with what we've got. But there's an awful lot of Remainers who, you know, vote, want to vote Labour and want to vote back in. And they remember, you know, Keir Starmer, his shadow Brexit secretary, campaigned throughout his time in Jeremy Corbyn's cabinet for another referendum Mm. to rejoin um, which, of course, the Conservatives are going to raise during the, the, coming, the coming campaigns. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So it, the, the, your suspicion, though, that it, it, it will not happen, is it because of a lack of political appetite to just reopen that wound? It is, it is the great unspoken word in British politics. It overhangs almost everything. I mean, the current political setup, the, the way the the way the House of Commons is shaped, is all defined by Brexit. You know, things have moved on. The, the cost of living is now number one um, for, I mean, people right across, across the developed mm. world. But that, that chasm that it 
put between the between the tribes still exists. It's bubbling under. But none of the parties, including the Liberal Democrats, who uh, you know overtly say they want to or did say they wanted to rejoin, even they don't mention it. It will be it will be there in a general election campaign, but no one will mention it. And it's it's, it's interesting because uh, you know the, I would imagine over the next couple of days here, there's going to be an awful lot of, of mentions of kind of division in society in the context of US politics. And, and, and I wonder, like, is that why the likes of the Liberal Democrats don't want to go there? They, they, they saw how divisive it was, and they actually have a genuine fear about kind of cleaving society apart in the UK. I think you're right. I, you know, but perhaps, you know, that's putting a very decent spin on it. I think they also realise <laughs> that you're leaving a, a fast flank open, given those divisions. They're not, but, they're not quite as I altruistic, mean, maybe, as I described well, well, them. Well, exactly. It's about getting elected. <laughs> then, yeah. you can, then you can do things. And people know the Remainers that will probably vote for the Labour Party because they secretly suspect Keir Starmer and others will form a closer relationship with the European Union, and that will do are going to do that in spite of the fact that Keir Starmer will never, ever say it. And people like me will be asking him about it through, you know, bringing up the old speeches, bringing up the campaign for, um, for a second referendum and, uh, and, and saying, well, you know, what's happened to all that? Mm. He's ditched that. He's ditched so many other, so many other areas of, uh, which were in the 2019 manifesto uh, on tax and spend as well. It's, you know, it's just clear the barnacles off the boat, I think the phrase is. And... It's, there are parallels with, with pre-97 in the UK when basically Tony Blair and his proto-cabinet said nothing about policy. You don't have to mention policy when to, when to mix the metaphors, you know, when, as Napoleon apparently said, I don't think it's true, said, well, you know, when your enemy's making mistakes, leave them to it. And that's what the Conservatives are doing. Sometimes I kind of ignore the, the angels of my better nature. And I find myself watching these clips from, you know, GB News of Jacob Rees-Mogg. And it's, it's just in, what, what you, you said something there. You said, you know, it's, it's still everywhere, the B word, you know, even if people don't talk about it. And, and he, was, he, he brought it up in the context of, of a survey of Anglican priests, uh, uh, 20% of whom would, only, would describe Britain as a Christian country. And, and again, Brexit, he said, was because uh, uh, the European Union was, is an atheist experiment and, and Britain is still a Christ- the only Christian country left in the European Union. Yeah. So e- even that, now that's a stretch, though, is it? It is. Well, I mean, everything's a stretch, and it depends which side you're on. <laughs> yeah. I remember Nigel Farage of the, of the same channel. Uh, Nigel Farage was late for one of his sessions, and he said you know, he was caught up on the, in a traffic jam on the M25 because of immigrants. Now... You know, I've lived in the United Kingdom for 40 and 45 years and more. Yeah, and I've seen an awful lot of traffic jams. <laughs> They're permanent, you know, mm. this gridlock around roads like that. But that was because of immigrants. And, uh, you know, this was pre-Brexit. And that was because of the European Union, all those goddamn Romanians, you know, mm. driving around the M25. <laughs> no British people there at all. Uh, like, and how, but how reflective is that of, of society in the UK? I mean, does, 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 does Brexit loom large unsaid uh, uh, over the dinner table? Or is it only in politics? No, I think it, I think it does. I think, okay. you know, no, that's a very good question, Kieran, because I think, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people who voted one way or the other who can't have anything to do with the other lot because they think they're stupid. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, I move in media circles and, and I'm in North London and all the rest of it, so the majority of people I meet are Remainers, and a lot of them 
fundamentally don't understand the reasons why mm. people voted for Brexit and regard it as mainly because of their IQs. And is, is that a new departure for society in Britain? That, 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 that a, a political issue can actually divide people on the ground level? Like I, don't, I, I don't think it's a new issue. I think the fact was holding a referendum on something so fundam- fundamental. Um, as the... David Cameron's former, you know, who obviously called the called the referendum. Mm. David Cameron's former advisor. I used to work with him. He used to be in the media. A guy called Craig Oliver, now Sir Craig Oliver, um, knighted by David Cameron. He put, he put it very well. He said to me um, during the campaign. He said to me, "Our problem," and they could see that things were going wrong. You know, during that period in 2016, when they were trying to, the UK were trying to renegotiate mainly with the Germans and trying to say give us a bone give us something particularly on on free movement to to bring back home and angela merkel more or less said nah you're in or out you know Mm. you want the you want the single market benefits well they include free movement and he said craig oliver said put it very succinctly he said you know we are campaigning on complex truths against simple lies and the remainders just told uh, you know the british public that all your problems are around immigration and all the immigration problems are around free movement in the EU. And if we, can sol- if, we can, if we can just get Brexit, all that will be solved. I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Mm. <laughs> Here we are seven years later. Uh, but it's, it, it appeals to human nature, doesn't it? Like we, 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 the, the simplest solution, well, Occam's razor, you know, the simplest solution is usually the right one. When presented mm. with, with two, we will go for the simple solution. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, the, you know, the opposite proved true. And, you know, the, the fact was that during that campaign and, you know, barely got a wink of sleep trying to cover it and understand it. You realised how complex it was. And then what you also realised was that politicians of all persuasions in the United Kingdom, you know, they never lost any votes in bashing the European Union. Yeah. And also, you know, a majority right-wing press whose owners hated the European Union. If you add all that up over the 30, well, however many years the UK had been a member of, and then suddenly, you know, a Conservative Party who's not, not lost any points, as I say, bashing the EU, has to say, oh, actually, it's not bad. We ought to stay. It's never going to wash. Yeah. It, and you know what, what has been interesting as well? Because a lot of the conversation, obviously, of, is, is now about you know, Britain's relationship with the EU and our relationship with Britain, and that was the context of backstop negotiations and all of that. But this idea of kind of uh, the domino effect, I mean, there's very little talk about you know, Italians or Hungarians or the Spanish or anybody else leaving the European Union. I think that's why, um, you know, if there ever were negotiation to rejoin the European Union from the UK side, it would be incredibly difficult. Mm. And, you know, every day that passes, there are more of the, you know, the ropes are being cut. So even just the, just the alignment that you have to get into, you know, two or three years ago, the UK was oven ready to turn Boris Johnson's phrase on himself to go back in, which he never would. Uh, so there's that, but there is also, as you say, Kieran, you're right, it's the example, it's pour encourager les autres. Um, I think even, you know, even Marine Le Pen shut up about Frexit in France. Yeah. You know, that, that was a fundamental part of uh, their portfolio, and there is a strong anti-EU strand uh, within that vote, and particularly around the issue of immigration, but that's dropped. As far as I know, and I'm not, you know, an expert on all 27 EU members, um, there isn't there isn't any groundswell at all. And I'd say the EU Commission, you know, quite enjoy that position, saying, "Look what happens to you. You leave the UK out there, particularly when it comes to trade, hung out yeah. to dry." 
Well, uh, listen, I'm sure you'll get into uh, all of that and more in one of the conversations. Uh, so tomorrow evening, six o'clock in St. Michael's, is that conversation about uh, 50 years celebration of Ireland's EU membership, reflecting on the past and shaping the future. And Dermot as well can be heard this evening at half past seven in the same venue, Celebrity Politics, along with Dr. Uh, Catherine Kramer-Brown, Jared Howland and Terry Prone. Uh, Catherine was my guest earlier. Terry's going to be my guest a little bit later. Dermot, a pleasure. Pleasure being, so here. Pleasure being in New Ross. Thanks for bringing yeah, me. Thank you very, very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.